What is going on? Welcome to Canel and Bell. Tommy Tran and for Raja, who's getting, I, it's load management. Every time Raja's out, I throw him under the bus. I don't say he's on vacation like I just was for uh, a week. Yeah, welcome uh, back. I always throw him, I always throw him under the bus whenever I get that chance, especially when he's not here. Uh, but good to see, uh, Tommy in here for him. We'll have a good time today. We've got a monster show. Uh, we got a new contract for Ben Simmons. We have Zeke Elliott could possibly join Melvin Gordon and saying, Hey, we're going to hold out. We're going to take off the year. And, uh, uh, Madden NFL ratings are in the news because a lot of players are disgruntled and somebody that works on this show has a conspiracy theory. Mm. Uh, we'll break that down a little bit later, but yes, I am back. Yeah, welcome back. How's that trip? Feels good to be back. It was, um, long flight. It traveling with three kids, um, 11. Well, actually, she turned 12 on the trip. So I have 12, 10, and 7 as of today. Happy birthday, Brady, my youngest, uh, is 7. It's almost, and I say this every time I go on vacation on family trips, you just, you're exhausted when you get home, which is not the way vacations are supposed to work, right? You're supposed to get back, right. feel refreshed and ready to go. But I got back last night around midnight, finally got into my, uh, like in, Pulled in the garage at like 1230. Mm-hmm. Um, unpacked, went straight to bed. But the thing is, I was on Europe, Europe, Europe time. So it was six hours ahead. So this morning I woke up at 4 a.m. because it was 10 a.m. over there, which is what I've kind of gotten used to. And I got up and I just like started doing laundry. Like I was husband of the husband of the year for doing all this stuff because my wife and kids were sleeping. So I got up, did laundry, worked out. Um, you know, just did a bunch of stuff, checked my mail, wrote some bills, paid some bills. But now I'm kind of gassed yeah, uh, because I'm like hitting that wall in the afternoon, but it's all good. Um, but the thing that I've decided to do is I am going to do the Phil Mickelson cleanse. Because you guys, I think you oh talked about it yesterday, like, right? Some super coffee. Yep. This Got my super where... <laughs> coffee right here. I don't know if the uh, whatever we have in the uh, CBS uh, HQ coffee grinder is quite the same quality that he had. Mm-hmm. But hey, coffee's coffee, right? Yeah. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to do six days. Coffee only. Oh, 15, you butter have coffee. 15 pounds to lose, though. I feel like I do. So here's the question <laughs> I have for five. you. Well, at least five. At least five. I hide it well, though. That's the thing. Like, I, Or I feel like I do. Here's the question I have for you. Because I wonder if I look fat. Because do you ever see yourself? I don't know. Have you ever? See, Coca just said yes. So I think I do. Wow. Like, I, I think I can. Like, I've looked back at some of my times. Like, when I was in college, my freshman year, I ballooned up. Like, you kind of have that freshman 15. Get partying, drinking too much, you know, eating whatever you want. You're eating crap. I was up to like 228, which is the heaviest I've ever been. And I'll go back and look at pictures now to be like, oh, I can see it. But in the moment, right. I didn't look in the mirror and be like, I'm fat. So that's my cool. Like, and Coca just said it. Like, I don't think I see it, but I'm wondering if one day I'm going to look back right. and like, you know, in a year and be like, oh, yeah, you looked like you needed to lose a few. Yours is because like you fluctuate a little bit because obviously your playing days, high school, college, and then pro you have the playing weights so you're in good shape right now, i'm actually a little bit different that's funny because actually someone tagged me like from a photo 10 years ago and i i was probably like 15 to 20 pounds heavier so i, I was the other way i've always really? been kind of a chubby kid chubby like not now you're not chiseled really like i'm not chiseled but i'm definitely <laughs> a little bit skinnier that uh wearing that trim skinny fit the stuff that they have so easy for me to see you look back and go okay i know when i'm packed on a few pounds or if i gotta kind of you know hit the gym a little bit more eat a little bit less and, and maybe get a little more fruit so for you though i don't i don't see that like i couldn't tell you tell me 15 pounds i think five max 
I've at least five. I haven't got on the scale. I actually did not. That was one thing I didn't do this morning was get on the scale from the trip. Uh, but I can just tell. And I'm out of shape. Like, it's not a good feeling. You're we tired. ate so much food. Hard facts, you, though. Oh, yeah. It was great. And when you're in Italy, we were in Italy with the family. And when you're there, of course, everybody talks about the wine and the food. And we did have a lot of wine and we had a lot of food. But I will say this. Like, my daughter's. We were walking around like the second to last day because we were in, we were in Italy for about a week and then we went to Paris for a couple of days just on the back end just to, for the photo ops pretty much. There they are. Here's my wife and I at the Coliseum doing kind of all over the Euro trip and I am Clark Griswold on the trip. Here's Gladiator <laughs> School where I'm basically taking on all the uh, the other uh, gladiators yeah. training right there. I felt like the Kramer in the Seinfeld episode. Remember when he goes to the dojo and it's all the little kids and he's talking about how he dominated the dojo. That was me right there. Uh, uh, sword fighting against uh, my, my, a couple of my daughters. And then there's back end uh, in Paris in front of the Eiffel Tower with the photo op. Hey, by the way, so if, if you head over there, did you guys have a game plan like don't sleep on the plane or sleep on the plane to try to correct that sleep schedule? Because then, you know, it, it, you have to adjust when you're going that far east. And I used to do it from, from California, so yeah. the bigger time difference. What did you guys do? So we – so I, it was funny because I was on the plane over there. And I, the pilot, I went up to go to use the restroom, and the pilot was using the restroom. He's kind of stretching. So I was like, hey, I was like, you travel a lot. What do you do for jet lag? And he goes, I sleep when I want to sleep. Mm. And it was like, but if you're going to do that, you're going to lose a day of activity. So we kind of we got in, and it actually helped because our hotel room wasn't ready. We arrived at 8 a.m., so it was like a red eye. We get there at 8 a.m., and we go straight to the hotel. We drop off our bags, and we couldn't get our room. So we're like, all right, what are we going to do? So we went to the hotel pool. Uh, we had lunch and then we took a nap and that was the one time that we slept where I was like, all right, I need to time this. So I set an alarm because normally I take a nap and I don't sleep very long, yeah. but I set an alarm. We slept about two hours, woke up my kids. They were, they wanted to keep sleeping, got them up, walked around, did a little bit of sightseeing and then kind of went to bed early ish. Right. That's and so then kind of carry, and then it took like one day to get used to. So other than that, it was cause that's good. a smart way. Cause if, then if you nap too much, you're more tired than you went to bed. It yeah. It throws everything off. Cause some people that work, you know, early shifts, if you get up at four or five a.m. to try to get to bed, sometimes can be tough. So that's smart. Here's the synopsis of, if you're going to go to Europe, the big cities like Rome and Paris, you can have them. Like it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of like New York City. Go out of town, like go to the Amalfi Coast where we went, go to Nice or some of these other cities, uh, you know, go to the French Riviera. The big cities, they're kind of dirty. They're really touristy. There's a lot of lines. It's hot. Like get out. Yeah. Get out of the big cities. And it's easy very... in Europe too. Trains. Yeah. Easy planes to kind of get anywhere you want to go and take yeah. a, take a flight. I'm going to start a Rick Steves, uh, travel guide. That's <laughs> what I should do. I should try, I should start a blog. Airfare Danny. Really popular out there. All right. So I was out of town. We missed a ton of stuff. Uh, and I know you guys have done a lot of it, but there is more NBA news as I think I was out of town when Kawhi went to the Clippers, all this stuff. But the latest is out of Philadelphia where Ben Simmons has signed a max extension. Uh, a new deal, five years, $170 million. So he's locked up for four, uh, for six more years after that. So they'll have a pretty good core nucleus of players. They'll have Joel Embiid under contract for four more years. They'll have, uh, Tobias Harris under contract for five more years and Al Horford under contract for four more years. I think that's why this might be the team outside of the Milwaukee Bucks and ahead of the Boston Celtics, uh, that you would look to and say, all right, this is going to be one of the challengers for whoever's representing the Western Conference for the foreseeable future because I think it's a really solid nucleus. And as far as Ben Simmons goes, like, duh. Like, of course you were going to do it. I think his game is still a little bit, obviously has a lot to be developed to it. Um, but I think this is kind of the obvious thing that they were going to do. 
Yeah, you say that's a no-brainer. Like, I'm a little bit more apprehensive on signing him to to a max deal. I understand, you know, the talent there and what you have to do to compete in today's NBA. We're taking a look at the the odds right there. I, I agree with you. I think the Bucks and, and Sixers are right there. It's just like we've talked about some of the friction between Simmons and, and Embiid, and, and not maybe necessarily personally, but just can they mesh on on the court? And we've talked about you've talked about it with Raj and I have too. It's just about can it work and. You know, you, here's the deal now, though, right? You've invested in these guys, and so they're going to have to get better. When Giannis eventually signs his Supermax with Milwaukee, they just re-up Chris Middleton in these big deals. Giannis is going to have to get better. Simmons will have to get better. We always talk about his jump shot. I mean, he doesn't have to be great. He just has to be pretty average and be a threat. And I think if he can do that, he's already good at everything else. I think that's just the one thing where if you're going to pay him that much money, he has to evolve as a player because... You're not going to be able to use that on shooters or anything else that you used to have that money for. You lose a guy like J.J. Redick. Obviously, Jimmy Buckets leaves. So I think they're right there, and I think you know it's up to him to improve his game. And obviously, the big part of it is that jump shot that he's totally terrified of. And I, you know, again, I've talked a lot about Raja with this, thinking it's is it mental, is it technique? Raja has said he thinks he could help him. He actually shouted him out, said, "Hey, can you help him?" Uh, but I think that's a huge aspect of how far he goes as a player is can he get that jump shot? Well, let me ask you this now because he's been in the league for a few years, right? Like, like take me through the the athlete mentality. Like, for instance, like when you came out of Florida State, what were the some of the things that people said you needed to work? Like the two or three things. Uh, so I was a pure pure pocket passer. Okay. And I needed to work on my mobility, which I knew and I was well aware of, but I wasn't very fast. It didn't something that didn't come naturally to me. Uh, and it never, it never evolved. It never got there. And I kind of fought back against that because I was like, you know what? My hero was Dan Marino and he could never break a five flat. He just worked within. So I would work on little agility drills and quickness. Right. But those are more footwork things. And this is where, this is where I guess when I said, duh, you're going to do it. And I think that's kind of the standpoint of, it's kind of what you have to do if you're the Sixers. Correct. But here's where I would agree with you somewhat in the kind of the hesitancy to do this is I think it's similar to Tim Tebow's throwing motion. Because mm. what we heard about Tim Tebow all throughout was, oh, he's going to go with Tom House and he's going to revamp his motion and he's going to do, you know, he's going to become an elite passer and all this stuff. I think the the way you shoot, the way you throw, the way you swing a ball, a bat or a golf, pl- uh, uh, a golf club, since the time you were a kid, it's really hard to revamp that motion. Now, Raja has said, oh, I just need to tweak it. I just need a couple subtle differences, and I think I could really help him. And maybe that's the case, but if it's a new-look jump shot or he has to revamp it, then I have major concern. That's just the thing. Like, I think, you know, an athlete, again, we say he does, you know, four or five things really well, but the one glaring thing is shooting, and it becomes – you know, how hard-headed you are, how stubborn you are, how open you are. I think, that, again, that's that's big for Ben Simmons to either at least try to, again, be a decent shooter, much like when Russell Westbrook now going to Houston, the three-point shooting is going to be a big question mark. We talked about can he get to even a respectable 35 36%. He's like a 29% guy. I think that's just, again, something when you're getting paid that much. Same thing with Giannis. Needs a jump shot. He knows that. Eventually, if you're going to get paid as the top five player, top ten player, you got to you know evolve and become one of those guys and, and make your money's worth. And that's one thing I've always appreciated about LeBron because I feel like LeBron, and of course he has a lot of like maybe the most natural talent, the most gifts of any NBA player we've seen, but he's always worked on his game and and made improvements kind of evolved the way the game has. Early in his career was back to the basket. Uh, it was defensive skills. Then it was a three-point shot. And he has worked his tail off every single time to get there, which makes me look at some of these young guys and say, all right, if he did it, you know, why can't you? Why don't you? Why, why can't you get better, especially when you're making all this money? Um, he takes the deal. 
Uh, which it was funny. I, I don't like stealing people's ideas, but I saw a really good tweet and I can't remember who it was, but they said, of course he's going to sign the extension because he can do like every other NBA player. If he's not happy there in the last two years or three years, he can demand a trade and force his way out, which a lot of NBA players are doing. And unfortunately, a lot of NFL players think they can do the same thing. And I think they're going to have some problems seeing that. Um, one player that might find himself in that position, maybe not now, he's in a little bit of a different uh, scenario, is Jadavion Clowney. Jadavion Clowney uh, with the Houston Texans is looking for a new deal. They use the $15.9 uh, million dollar franchise tag on the outside linebacker. Interesting that I called him an outside linebacker because that's what this article says, although I think he is absolutely a defensive end, but it's cheaper. Um, so they can utilize the tag on Clowney again next year, but it would come with a 120% raise. He wants a longer-term deal, as everybody does. He's sitting out there off-season workouts. I think some of this is why they fired their general manager, because he couldn't work out a deal with Jadavion Clowney. Um, but the thing that I hate the most about this is that the Texans are tagging him as an outside uh, outside linebacker. They're working the system. They are, but they're screwing over their player, right? I mean, that's that's where I think it's a really – this is where you say, if you're the player – you're like, come on. I've put my body on the line for you. I've gone out there. He's been injured a lot through his career. I've, I've gone out there and came back from this, proven my worth. And now you guys are going to try to screw me over one more time. Like I, and every player wants to get that long-term guarantee. Like right. that's what you always are kind of holding out hope for. And then he has the opportunity to do it. So not only are they screwing him over with the franchise tag, but they're screwing him over doubly. By going ahead and tagging him at a different position, which he doesn't, he doesn't really play. See, that's the thing that's going to be interesting. I was talking to Ryan Wilson, our, our writer and, and draft analyst on HQ. It's like, eventually the next CBA, this is going to be a big thing because we now live in an age where we designate edge rusher, where Khalil Max of the world, where we're talking about you, Look at that. Only 33, you know, snaps at last. The funny thing is, and we'll talk about Madden in a little bit. He's actually listed as an outside linebacker in Madden. And for the team to, because here's the deal. You talk about his health issues. He has, you know, he's only played, I think, 16 games, like, once in his entire career. Right. I think if they would have tagged him as D-end, you're, you're saying from the front office, hey, look, we don't want to invest this much money because he's injury prone. That speaks one thing. But now that you've manipulated it by tagging him as the linebacker to save almost $2 million or maybe $1.7 and change, that then completely changes a bit of the narrative. You're going to have a lot more people on Clowney's side because of what they're doing to him, to your point. And so they're screwing him over, and he's screwing them over back because he's saying, you know what, I'm not going to OTAs. I'm not going to go to training camp. But it does. Uh, Ian Rappaport is reporting uh, that he is expected to play on the one-year tag come September. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to do as little as I can to make sure I receive that money, which I, I actually think that's the best thing you can do to kind of get them back and hold a little bit of leverage back. Because I don't agree with Le'Veon Bell, who sits out an entire year, loses out a year of earning potential, and it was $14 million was the tag on the running back at the time. And I felt like, all right, here's a guy who just – Missed out on that four. He could have earned that, and then he could have been to his next contract faster. Instead, he sits out of here, and he doesn't even get that much more than he would have gotten um if he stayed in Pittsburgh. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. Because like, the, the the deal he got with the Jets wasn't like a break the bank, no. oh, my gosh, Le'Veon won. It was, okay, he got his way out of Pittsburgh, and he got some money, but, man, he could have used that $14 million. You know, like that's yeah. that's the way I look at it. Um Running backs – are in the news right now, mm-hmm. right? Because they're all – we saw it with Le'Veon Bell when he forced his way out uh, and skipped an entire season. Now you're hearing Melvin Gordon could do it. And I think Melvin Gordon is probably one – he might be the most underrated running back in the NFL. So it got some news, but I don't think people were as upset or made as many headlines as it would if 
Ezekiel Elliott did it. Because according to Pro Football Talk, Elliott has privately said he would hold out of training camp unless he gets a new contract. Uh, but it gets even more interesting because if he could consider doing a, a move like Le'Veon Bell, mm-hmm. then it puts them in a real predicament. And all these players... See, I think it gets interesting because I think they're... And I, I firmly... I know that NFL players are jealous of NBA players. And I think they see NBA players manipulating situations, getting out of teams they don't want to be on, getting contract extensions, and they feel like they can do it too. And it's a completely different animal. They don't have the leverage. Their window is closing. And especially at running back, it is a position where there is a belief. And you could argue this one, and I could take I could take both sides of the argument because mm-hmm. I could say, hey, you know what? If you're Ezekiel, Elliott, you're going to sit out. You know, I'll, I'll find somebody else that can get close to the same production. Look at James Conner, what he did with the Steelers. You know, filling in for Le'Veon Bell, he was a lot cheaper and gave you pretty good production. Um, but that's the approach that teams are taking. They're saying, why would I invest all this money in a position that is fairly easily replaced? But if you're taking a look as we are here at this list, Zeke is like, it's him, it's Saquon, um, you know, you're talking about the cream of the crop. It's interesting to me that, look, he's got, I mean, I mean, who's better on that team when you're talking about the Cowboys have to try to lock up Zeke, Cooper, and Prescott. And Prescott's gonna get that quarterback money, but out of the three, who's the best? You gotta talk about Zeke. I mean, let's look at that right now. That- Lowest paid positions, running back is with long snapper and fullback? Sandwiched in between <laughs> fullback and punter um, as the lowest paid positions in the NFL, that is offensive. They should be higher. Like, the kickers make more than the running back. That, to me, is an egregious. Robbie Gold just got paid. Yeah, he did. And he forced his way. Like, you talk about players yeah. forcing their own way and getting their their uh, getting their money. Uh, he obviously did. But I, I just I look at it in the NFL. So they're having the um, – they're negotiating right now on a new CBA as we're going. This is one of those things – where they need to figure out a couple things. They need to figure out how to get rid of the franchise tag because, and it, it would create a lot more leverage for players, which is why I don't think they're win. I'm telling you, Tommy, the players are going to use marijuana testing as a source of leverage, and the owners are going to act like it bothers them, and they're going to give that to them like it's a win, mm. and it should be the least important thing on the player's mind. It's really an easy test. It's not that big of a deal. You can get around it. It's more of an IQ test. What the players should be focusing on is franchise tag, guaranteed contracts, benefits, uh, you know, um, health, uh, health care. Yeah, all those types of things. Mm-hmm. Instead, they're going to get worked over again because they're going to get sidetracked by marijuana. That's just something. But these types of deals, when you see those numbers and you see the running back slotted in between fullback and punter, that's embarrassing. And that's something the players should be looking at. And running back specifically, but... There's only two reps on every team. Some teams only have one rep, and most I don't know how many running backs are, are player representatives that are actually in there as a union representative making their case. So they're probably not going to see much change to that that number, that statistic. And then getting back to Gordon real quick, everybody that I've asked has been on his side of the, the situation about him wanting to get a new deal. Where do you see it? With of course. I mean, he should ask for it, but I don't think these guys have that much leverage. And the Steelers took the hardline approach and it was different because Le'Veon had some off field issues had some injury issues um you know just that team had a lot of issues so I think it was easy for them and they had a pretty good backup they had a guy in James Conner who they had drafted yep. they had seen him he was a fan favorite and the production didn't drop off that much um Melvin Gordon is a different animal and I don't and, and especially like it's kind of similar though with Ben I was going to say they have more of a sense of urgency with Philip Rivers 
Um, yeah, I mean, but, they got a good team. They're trying right. to win. This is a big year for them, obviously coming off that playoff run. But NFL like they teams, the Chiefs, right? they don't cave. You know, they usually don't cave. And I say good luck for you. I, I am all for every player trying to get paid. But what I don't want to see is a guy sit out and lose out a year in his prime when he could be earning that money. But uh, let's see what, what happens if it works out or not. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. Hanging out with Tommy Tran here on a Tuesday. So I just got back. I was traveling internationally. When you, um, are you a germaphobe at all? No. I'm not either. Uh, my wife is. Like, OCD, mm. right? It's good. I love her. Like, Coke always gives me a hard time. Thinks I'm throwing my wife under the bus. I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good trait. Like, I would rather have my wife be obsessively neat yep. and cleanliness, like, that be a priority than the opposite, right? So I'm, I'm not, I'm not criticizing her. So, so Coca and her knows if she's listening. Um, when we travel, she takes wipes and gives them to my kids and they wipe down like everything around them, like the, the seats, the tray tables, everything. Like they, and they're kind of trained to do it now. So they get rid of all the germs. Have you seen the video that has gone viral of the passenger sitting in the bulkhead who is perusing the movies? On no. The, so we were just talking about it. So we go to the wide shot. So he's sitting there in the front row, right? Yeah. Like this, kind of lean back and somebody is secretly filming him. Okay. He's going like this. No. Like that he's going. And he's swiping oh, with his foot, foot. <laughs> yes, like that. Open it toe, just open toe, no feet, just perusing the movies. What? It's there's the video for you. I don't know if we have clearance for it yet. Okay, uh, so he's like in the this, front row where there's, there's yeah. He's like so there's no seat by the way, if you're looking at the video. That, right. So he's got the bulkhead yeah. seat. He's just feet up there, just barefoot, just perusing him by swiping with his big toe. Okay. I think they should arrest this guy. Like Homeland Security needs to get involved because there is something shady about that. That, that now whole makes situation. you think. Every, but we'll see uh, that that does that's that. If I showed that to my wife, we would all be wearing hazmat suits the <laughs> next time we we traveled. That's what she would take it to the next nice. level. That. That dude needs today, like Homeland Security needs to do a background check on that guy and prevent him from flying. The no-fly zone, the no-fly list. He needs to be on that for sure. Um, all right, just a quick aside there. Uh, SEC Media Days is taking place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is back in Birmingham, uh, where it has traditionally always been after a couple years in Atlanta. Uh, but some of the talk that has been taking place, obviously Alabama, we're just going to get to in a second. But Jalen Hurts, who played at Alabama, transfers to Oklahoma. Um and uh, Lincoln Riley was actually asked about it at Big 12 Media Days, said, um, you know, what? How, how's it going with Jalen? And Lincoln Riley says he's not a lock to start at the starting quarterback position. He said, you know, when you come to OU, you're not going to be handed jobs and certainly not at that position. What kind of message would I be sending to our entire team if we bring some guy in and just make him the starter right away? Riley asked rhetorically. That's not good for that room and the competition, number one. It's certainly not good for the rest of the team where there are also position battles going on. I think in a team game, competition is one of the most important things there is. And the second you just go anoint somebody, that's gone. I have a question for you, Tommy. Have you ever heard a coach say, yeah, we're just going to give him the job? Never. In the history. Like, that's why I think... Like, everyone's going to talk about this and be like, oh, well, is Jalen Hurts not living up to the hype? Is he not, you know, why isn't he the starter yet? Every single coach is going to say this in every single spring practice and every camp. They're never going to just say, yeah, we're going to give him the job. It's all about competition. So now, though, so we're, we're, we're both in agreement that this is coach speak. This is Lincoln Riley saying, you know, I got to be PC about it. But here's the difference, though, and I do want to ask, because, like, 
they're at Oklahoma, a CFP team, perennial at least the last few years. And yep. every time there's a, a grad transfer, it, they usually go a slight step down or even a big step down, right? Like I covered Fresno State. I covered three or four different grad transfers because it was a big deal for them to get a former Duke player, a former Power 5 guy, and they're, and they're kind of just going to get – and then, like, Kelly Bryant over at Mizzou, it seems like that is a little bit more of, like, hey, he's going to be the guy. Now, they may say, you know, that he has to win it out. I think the situation at Oklahoma makes it slightly different or, or weighted just a little bit, even though I think it is going to be Jalen Hurts come week one. Oh, I think it's I think it'll be Jalen Hurts. I don't know if he hangs on to the job. I really think this offense is going to have – and this is not a huge knock to Jalen Hurts because they've had two of the best – quarterbacks Baker Mayfield was one of the best in the history of college football and Kyler Murray had a season that was maybe one of the best seasons in the history of college football so I don't think it's a knock to say they're going to have a a a setback but I wonder because of that setback do they try to say hey our offense is used to this do they go to one of the guys pushing him and I think that could be a scenario and remember what Alabama looked like without Tua Tonga-Valoa and all they did was make that change and all of a sudden, the offense took off. And everyone's like, where has this offense been? Jalen Hurts had that opportunity to do it, and he couldn't do it there. So what's all of a sudden this difference going to be where he just becomes this passer that's going to be able to light up the college football landscape? I don't know if that's going to be the case. And that's one of the biggest, I think, misconceptions. I think diehard college football fans understand this, but casual ones just go, oh, where well, you're going to have this grad transfer. It's plug and play. The actual... Success rate of grad transfer quarterbacks is really low. It's hard, and you know that. Like you come in, especially if it's a different system, you come in, you got to learn, learn the terminology. If you don't even have a full, um, you know, spring ball and fall camp, you're like behind. It's hard to like grip everything and do everything, especially the way the OCs and head coaches, offensive-minded ones, want to do things nowadays. So much more is on your plate. You can't just come in and here's here's a book, and I'm just going to come out and be the best athlete on the field and just get it done. So here's the unique thing about this discussion. As the two guys I just mentioned, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, both transferred. You know, like they, they were both transfers to go because I was about to throw transfers under the bus. And But you do – like, those are two anomalies. That does not happen. And the fact that it happened back-to-back at Oklahoma is very, very rare. I don't think we'll ever see it happen again because the reason guys transfer is because they couldn't beat out somebody at a job or they weren't better than somebody who was probably a four- or five-star. But when you transfer to an equivalent – and I, when I say equivalent, I say Alabama, and Alabama fans will be all mad I'm saying this, but I'm talking about a powerhouse, a, p- a place that has the ability to recruit four- and five-star athletes. He's going to have to beat out another couple really, really good quarterbacks. And if he falters just a little bit, they will be ready to make a change. And it is really hard. People do not understand how complex an offensive system is, relationships. Like You have to step in and be ready to lead, and that takes time. Guys have to look at you and go to battle with you and see what happens to you in a game. And that happens over time. You can't just step in and all of a sudden, oh, we're going to rally for Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts is awesome. Like, I love his mentality. I love his makeup. I think he's been one of the best examples of character and leadership that we've seen in all of college football. And that should be telling you something more that I still have concerns about him making this transition. I think he will get the benefit of the doubt to try to hold on and be that guy for Lincoln Riley. Can we put up that one depth chart again that had Spencer Rattler on there? Because he is the prize get, by the way. Yes, he is. He's the one out of high school. Uh, We've talked about it on Max Preps here on HQ. If somehow he elevates, and and obviously we got Tanner Mordecai as well, uh, you know, talented guys, Hurts 
will have the opportunity. You mentioned maybe week one. Don't know about moving forward. But if any of these other guys really show up and show out during fall camp, it'll be a lot tighter. And it would not be a surprise if a guy like Spencer Rattler, um, you know, comes through and ends up winning the job. Yeah, the quarterback um, room, as Lincoln Riley referred to him, is a very good spot with Oklahoma. Some of that talent is in the, that's in that room. The place where Jalen Hurts came from, Alabama, uh, is the favorite to win the SEC again. I, Clemson and Bama have been really neck and neck as far as who's favored to win the national championship again. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's just, it's until these teams falter and I see them step back and I don't think it was enough. Yes, Alabama got housed by Clemson in the national championship game, right. but I haven't seen anything that says, oh, this, this all of a sudden is going to be a tear and it's just going to drop off a ledge and they're going to take a falter. Yes, they've had a tremendous amount of turnover on their coaching staff. But Nick Saban is still there, and he's still one of the best coaches that we've ever seen in college football. I think it will be Bama's year again in the SEC. And for everybody that will pound the table and say, what about Georgia? If you look at the second half of both last year's title game, the national championship game, and this past season's SEC championship game, yes, Georgia got out to a lead, and they had the lead at halftime, but they were outscored, I think it was 48-17 to in the second half of those two games. I don't think it's as close as people do. I still think Bama is in the driver's seat in the SEC. Let me ask you this then. A couple of betting things in terms of the futures. Let me start with Bama first, okay? Yep. Because we've been putting up win totals 11.5, and, and I've actually seen it juiced down. People are actually pounding the under, thinking they're not going to get to 11.5 wins. So you look at this schedule here. So we've got a six stack on each side, so that's 12 games. Obviously then uh, you have the SEC championship game and potentially college football playoff. 11.5 wins. You go over or under? I would probably take the under as well with some of the money that's coming in on them. But when you look at their schedule, it is a cakewalk. It really is. Their non-conference is a joke. Right. Um and, but, I mean, I could see them. There's but, always that game before Auburn, by the way. Look at that. Right, yeah, West, yeah, Carolina West Carolina action. Carolina. It was like a Citadel the, last year. Here's the example that I would give you. I think the, the potential hiccups that they have, I think there are only three. I think it's at Texas A&M. I think it's LSU at home. And I think it's at Auburn. Mississippi State breaking in a new quarterback. I know they've been pretty good, but I still think Alabama is significantly better across the board. I think those three games are the opportunities. And if I would look at any of them, I would probably lean towards A&M or Auburn in the Iron Bowl at the end of the season. LSU has getting a lot of hype, a lot of recognition, you know, bringing back Joe Burrow, getting a new, you know, it's passing Aging game coordinator. to spread offense or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, with this, uh, the passing coordinator, this 28-year-old phenom that's coming in the from Saints. the Saints. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to see it happen before I'm willing to jump, uh, jump off the Alabama bandwagon. I just want to start this video off by saying I will not be playing Madden 20, period. My short route runner is a 91. 16. Bro, who's making this dog? Wait, what? Who did this? It's not that sweet out there, man. Like, what is you thinking? My strength is 69, like I'm a little boy. I'm just not understanding this. There you go. That was Keenan Allen, wide receiver for the Chargers, and of course Tom Brady with their um that's their protests against the Madden NFL uh rating yeah. system that's out there. When you saw the Keenan Allen thing, what was the first thing you thought about? Like anything like it could be anything. 
Me? Yeah. I was like, oh, well, he's a big gamer, by the way. So oh, he, he is. Compl- yeah, so he's into the Madden thing. So when he was complaining, I wasn't surprised. Actually, the Chargers Twitter account, like Derwin James, made a statement that they retweeted. They also made this funny SpongeBob SquarePants thing with Philip Rivers because he's got like 99 toughness or something. So they're on top of the game. They, they were definitely on it. But uh, once I saw Keenan Allen there, I was like, oh, he's not being very happy at all. You know what I thought about? What? I thought he's texting and driving. Not you're not supposed to do that in California. Exactly, you're not supposed to. I so I'm guilty of this as well. I'll do an Instagram story with my daughters. They're in the back seat, and yeah. I'll be like, blah, 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 blah. and I'm you. It's usually in a parking lot or a neighborhood, but maybe that's worse. Maybe both of those are Don't worse do than doing it on the highway. Yeah. And people will hit me up in my DMs. They'll be like, "What are you doing?" There, there was are this, those people that will call you out. Oh they? my gosh, there was one lady that was like so upset at me. And I finally told her, I'm like, look, I have autopilot on my car. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not, it's not really that dangerous. And she was like, well, I don't, you're setting a bad example. And she got all mad at me. The other thing about Keenan Allen's got like some horse, some serious horsepower. Did you see his car? Like uh, the engine revving? Yep. Um, then Tom Brady, obviously there. So our producer, one Matthew Coca at Matthew Coca CBS. That's your, uh, that's your handle, right? On Twitter. He has a conspiracy theory. He thinks that all of this is an elaborate marketing scheme put together by all these players and Madden and EA Sports to help promote the game. Because he's like, oh, he's like, Coco, what's your theory? You're saying everybody's talking so think, about it. You think it's on both sides, yeah, like, not just on the EA side. No, he's saying it's on the players or like maybe get some, mm-hmm. some change under the table. And maybe it's not even under the yeah, table. My it's, whole thing is from from Derwin James because it's Derwin James's where he's just like, hey, everybody, this is Derwin James. And then like the way he talks about the game He's just like, I was an 86 last year. I'm an 87 now. I just think it's just like, it's all anybody was talking about was Madden. So I think that, you know, they got a little extra coin. I like your theory. Uh, Here's why I think it may not be true is because you just mentioned the Chargers, a bunch of players did something. I could see the Chargers social media team saying, hey, let's make this a thing. Let's go after him. Yep. Here's your stats. Here's what you can say. You're upset about it. So I would say they maybe put up Tom to Brady, put up we, to it. we just showed it. Tom Brady had a video ready for it. That's not something. Well, because he knew he, he knew that that was coming though. It's not like it's not like his yeah, was going to be shocked like, by the change. Just, it, it was just like the the same day. Everybody released stuff on the that same they know. Day. That, Do you that think? Day. Do you think that they should have to put ad hashtag ad because if you put a post on Instagram or you know on Twitter you're supposed to put hashtag ad so technically if they're getting paid they should have to put it out there somebody needs to get work far on from this fire fest Madden by the <laughs> no, way I, think, with the I, don't, I don't know if we are I think it might have been I actually like Tom Brady Tom Brady has has had a lot of fun uh, with his Instagram account uh, doing all those things so the ratings themselves yeah there are some that are pretty egregiously bad. Um, the worst one I think that might be the worst overall, and this is this is just more shade at Daniel Jones, quarterback uh, for the New York Giants. Yeah. Did you see who they had higher than him? Guys that weren't even, like either drafted. Tyree Jackson, the kid undrafted. from Buffalo that yep. was undrafted, they had him as a higher rating. Yeah, and I I just is there so there's like who is it? A uh, Pro Football Focus, like they have their ratings that they to they do study a lot of film. They have this algorithm that they put in there, and it pops out this number. I wonder if there's that much work that comes into this, or is it just some dudes that work there? Like, how can we troll this player the most, or how can we pump up this guy? Or similar to Coca's conspiracy theory, how can we create conversation around the game? Yeah, look, here's here's the thing, and as we're taking a look at the top ten Madden players, so they don't give out hundreds. They've already said right. that, but so you get guys that are close. Look. 
DeAndre Hopkins is like the only offensive player. Donald, Mac. I'm really surprised about Bobby Wagner as a ninety. That's the, that's probably the most surprising on the list. And then Todd Gurley for me too. I know he's a ninety-seven, but I don't. I mean, but do they have, do they have a rating for injury concern? Like, do they have a banged up knee rating? Right. Because that would be ninety-nine. Like, how messed up his knee has been over the past year. Like, I don't have a problem with Patrick Mahomes being slightly above Tom Brady. Uh, but every single one of those defensive players should not be ahead of quarterbacks. And this is, this is my firm, like when Pete Prisco did his top 100 players, and the same philosophy. Like the quarterback is the most important position on the field. They should therefore have a higher rating because their position means more. The quarterbacks, it's, it's funny because I, I mean, I stopped playing Madden religiously a few years ago, but obviously through my twenties and college and everything, the the awareness factor is like the biggest thing on a quarterback because obviously your 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 arm strength your accuracy those things can kind of change a little bit but in terms of the quarterbacks that that awareness category for quarterbacks is like the biggest differentiator between a ninety and a ninety seven or an eighty four because look at the guys that are on this list I mean Aaron Rodgers is now a ninety this which is stupid. kind of crazy this is start now I understand why these players were all mad about it Philip Rivers is ahead of Drew Brees and Andrew Luck and Russell Wilson By the I way, like Philip Rivers but uh, that's crazy when I was looking at. Uh, the stats right now. Andrew Luck, by the way, has an 84 speed, which is faster than Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. Now, I bet... Straight line speed, I guess. Because yeah, I bet if you went and looked at their combine, I think you'd be shocked at how fast Andrew Luck was. I, I think, think Andrew was, Luck might have like, been faster than Cam Newton. Mm, well, I know, I know, I know Andrew Luck was like sub 4-7, which is really good. Yeah, he was fast. But that was also back when he got out of Stanford. I don't know if he's like that anymore. 4-6-7 was okay, his... So sub 4-7. And if you look okay. up Rodgers, I think it was like eh, probably the same. But right. it was just interesting to see him faster. I do, so here's the other thing too is all right. So let's say there isn't a conspiracy theory. Do players really care? Like because Keenan Allen looks pretty upset. There were some other players that were all voicing their opinions on, "Hey, this is so messed up." I think it's something, and this is from the fun aspect of it, where they're just having fun with it. I do think maybe deep down it kind of bothers them a little bit, but ultimately they're like, "Hey, this is a game. Does it matter?" Like I, I want, but I bet there are some players that probably call their agent and say, That's "Crazy, hey, you know this is this is messed up. I need you to call them and and to, you know try, try to, to address this for next year." Yeah, wonder maybe Bobby handles- Wagner has the best agent in the business that got him up to a ninety nine because that's absurd. I wonder who fields those emails, calls <laughs> the on complaints? the EA side. Yeah, yes. it's like where does that? You know, I guess you're. They've to- got to have a department that's that's like. Uh, well, yeah, they, yeah, they've got the guys. Service. Do you think it's the same guy that calls and says there's a glitch in the game? Like he picks up the call from the NFL agent or the player himself? One of the things too that I remember, you know, we talk about the rookies and they're always going to be in the seventies, even the best ones like low eighties. Reggie Bush was like an anomaly. He was like an 87 coming out of SC that year. I think Robert Griffin the third was also a high 80. So it's always kind of weird. It's always weird how these guys, now it's one thing to look at the NFL guys who have played a year or multiple years. It's, it's so like, how do you, do they get the combine stats? Do they get the pro day stats? It's like that one's pretty tough in how you're trying to evaluate, especially now that they don't have NCAA football anymore because they don't get to be able to do the game. Welcome back to Ken Allen Bell, hanging out with Tommy Tran. I'm a little bummed that I just found out about Dark Mode was yes. available on Twitter on my phone for like around a year. For a I thought it was, I was waiting for the iPhone update so I can get it across like all these apps. I didn't know it was even available on Twitter. Now, you got to, and now they're my doing eyes. desktop too, by the way, which really you can change colors. You guys are holding just changed out my on avocado me. green. <laughs> avocado green. I'm going to have to check that one out. Uh, all right. So we were talking about Madden NFL rankings and you created a list of overrated 
underrated, which I actually love. I love this list. Uh, so give me a couple of your ones and I'll see if I can find any that I think are. Uh, yeah. So let's, uh, start with a list of overrated. And, and it's funny because look, these guys are in the nineties and eighties, but obviously we talked about Todd Gurley, right? Kareem Hunt at a 90. The, the Minnesota guys with Thielen and Diggs, that's like, let me just give you a comp. Like they're rated higher than like Devontae Adams and some of these other star receivers, Greg Olson. And the, the one that actually sticks out to me, the two ones at the bottom, Chris Carson and Deshaun Jackson. That is like, that's a really good rating for, for Madden right now. And so for Chris Carson, who's not even the, the bell cow out in Seattle, I mean, he's the lead guy, but he's an 87, which is unreal to me. And Deshaun Jackson is like some of these guys. Where's the age factor come into play? Like Greg Olson, I love Greg Olson, great dude, but he's been hurt a ton. And you know, at some point, you're like, all right, he's got to start. The, the he's starting to come down to the backside of his career a little bit. How can you still have his rating that high? I think that is a little bit egregious, right there. Yeah, I almost put in too. Delaney Walker's a 92. Really? No disrespect to Delaney Walker. Right, right. But then that leads to my underrated list, and we stay with the tight end position. George Kittle's only a 90. Really? We're talking about George Kittle's a 90. Out season for the 49ers. Yeah, and then again, OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, guys that I think are are upper echelon type of. of All right, so why do you? But why do you have a problem with Jimmy Garoppolo? Because I have no problem with being 78. So he was an 81 last year, and I just feel like they dropped him three points. I know he's hurt, but, like, outside of that injury, because he's not, like, a super dual-threat guy, like, there really isn't anything that changed. So he really should at least be at 80. I just think for them to drop down to 78 is a little too low for my liking. And then, obviously, we also talked about Daniel Jones. The disrespect, 63 for Daniel Jones, top 10 pick. I look at Daniel Jones. I'm telling you this. I feel really, really bad for him. I really do, because he's going to have such an uphill battle to win over the fans. Now, granted, he goes out there, he plays in a preseason game and has a few touchdown passes, so he can get everybody off his back. But like saying that and actually going out and doing that is completely different. How many quarterbacks have we seen in the preseason go out there and look awful? Like it happens a lot to, to guys that are great that are that were beloved by their fan bases by you know number one overall picks, where everybody goes out there and says, "Oh, we love this guy. You know, he's going to be great," and they're like, "Oh, well, that's okay." If Daniel Jones struggles at all in the preseason, it is the nightmare is going to continue for him. Like it is a harsh market to live in uh, and play in as it is. And now you've got a fan base that thinks they know more than a GM. And Grant, I do not think he's better than Dwayne Haskins. I didn't love where they took him, but enough. We all agree with that. So let's just all get on and move to the next and say, all right, let's build around and see if he can become the next Eli. Because I, I feel bad for him. It's going to become mental. And then it, the pressure starts to build. And that's, I don't know, I think it's not a, if you're a Giants fan, I think you should be pulling for Daniel Jones, not saying, oh, see, they were wrong. Trash him. No, I was going to say, like, what advice, if, if, you, if Daniel Jones was sitting in my place here, obviously you know what it's like to play in that market and for that team. What advice would you give to him? Man, I, I would tell him to block out the noise. But here's the thing. It's almost impossible to new, to do nowadays. Because, you know, you could, you could set aside a newspaper 20 years ago. You could not watch ESPN 20. You just change the channel. You could, you know, listen to something else on the radio. You, you wouldn't get a text from everybody. You just turn, you know, you don't even have texting wasn't around. Now, every single article that's written, you're going to hear about somewhere. Somebody's going to tell you about it. Your mom, your sister, your cousin. Somebody's, I can't believe so and so said this. Uh, if you're on Twitter, which I would strongly say don't go on there. Your mentions are going to get lit up daily about how either you suck or you're not going to live up to the hype or people are just, it's negativity. There's so much negativity. There's more pressure than ever. I would try to say block out the noise, 
focus on your job, get your head in the playbook, and try to just ignore it. Last month, last month even... when he went to the Yankee game, they showed him. He got booed at home. He got booed. I was a fourth-round pick. sucked, and I got cheered at the Yankees game the first time I showed up there. Like, that doesn't happen before somebody screwed up. Now, if he went out there had an awful rookie year, yeah. I would say, yeah, he would get booed. But he hasn't even ha- he hasn't put, taken a snap yet, and already the fan base hates him. I just don't. I don't like it for him, and I feel bad for him already. And you can kind of see this swirl starting to come around where it's not going to end well for Daniel Jones or the New York Giants because they should be invested in him as well right now. Best case scenario for him and really them is for Eli to play at least eight games, right? To, to be a good enough or at least give you signs that Eli can still do it because then you can at least temper or back, you know, stop the Daniel Jones hype a little bit early because if he gets in like, Opening week or three weeks in, it's going to snowball and start. Best thing to happen to Daniel Jones is a solid preseason. Get out there. You know, don't have the three interception game. Go out there and light it up. You you can do that as a rookie. That's not unheard of. But go out there, have a solid preseason. Like you said, have Eli go out there. Even if Eli plays the whole season and the Giants are kind of right around eight and eight, seven and nine somewhere, and Eli looks okay, but you're kind of like, all right, maybe it is time for Daniel Jones. He gets into some games and maybe looks okay in second halves of blowout, whether they're up or down, whatever the case is. I think that's the best case scenario because I agree with you. If if Eli goes out there and either gets hurt or looks awful and they're one and three and they're looking to make a splash and say, all right, we've got to look to the future, then it's a disaster situation because I don't think he's ready to play. No, At all. that would be if they were like six and eight and then maybe give him the last two or right. Mahomes it like when Patrick had that have an opportunity. I think again, best case scenario for New York. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It's gonna be a it's gonna I'll be I'll be rooting for him because I don't want to see somebody have to start off that rough. So Giants fans, take it easy on Daniel Jones. And Madden, give him a better rating. Better than Tyree <laughs> Jackson. That's kind of offensive. Mm. All right, appreciate you hanging out, man. Yeah, that, dude. Was, that was a lot of Welcome fun. Welcome back, buddy. Raja is back from load management tomorrow. He should be fresh and ready to go for an all new Canal and Bell. See you tomorrow.